Thank you for joining the Dark Light Podcast. Here at the Dark Light Podcast, you will find information about the absolute truth. Hang on tight as we go to discover the light in the darkness. And as we continue this subject of faith, I want to make it perfectly clear that this subject of faith, righteousness, by faith, has been so controversial within the Christian community, within religious world communities, that it has split churches, synagogues, large groups of people into many camps of discordant voices all clamoring for attention and the ability to claim the title of correct theology. It is really a shame that we have allowed such a topic such as faith, a topic that is fundamental and so important to life itself that we have allowed it to disrupt our lives, disrupt our thinking, change our behavior towards others and allowed us to create fences when in fact we should be using our faith to break down prejudices and to bring people closer together as one. It is very difficult to explain in any sort of logical way the ability of people to take one subject such as faith and allow it to override all common sense and all ability to be noticed and to be able to function in a society apart from disruption and chaos and just outright lunacy. So, James 2, verse 18. I'm going to start here again because the fundamental idea that is presented here is very important 
to the foundation of how we must view faith as a concept. The verse begins, and I'm going to read from the Berean Study Bible version in English, which says, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. So here James is trying to lay a foundational concept which is repeated over and over. It's repeated in the book of James. It's repeated in the book of Romans. It's repeated in the book of Galatians. It's repeated in the book of Hebrews by different writers, by the early Christian apostles. They spent an enormous amount of time trying to get people to understand the importance of faith. So when we see these discussions of what faith is, what faith isn't, It is very, very important that we take the time to understand the most fundamental issues involved in the ideas being laid down in the concepts of faith and righteousness by faith. James 2, verse 17, New International Version. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Or as the King James Bible says, faith without works is dead. So here, again, we see a fundamental idea being laid down in the book of James by one of the early disciples of Jesus, the Christ. One of the disciples that was considered to be the closest to Jesus, the Christ. We hear about Peter James and John. They were in some ways brothers, not just philosophical brothers, but blood brothers, kin, brothers in real life. And so they shared a common thread, a family connection a way of understanding each other that can only come through sibling rivalry, sibling 
connectivity. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that, but I know in my life, I have. And it's very interesting over time how you can become closer or emotionally further away from a sibling, from a brother, from a sister, from someone who you grew up with, someone who you were so close to that you interacted on a day-to-day level that cannot be explained, almost like twins. The ability to share ideas and thoughts without saying a word. The ability to interact and to understand a situation by just a glance, by just a look. It is a very unique experience that unless one has had that experience in their life, it is very hard to understand, very hard to explain. So we see here that James, one of the early disciples of Jesus the Christ, is trying to lay a foundation for what faith is and for what faith is not. It is essential that we understand these concepts at a level that is basic and absolute. Once you say that faith without something such as works, deeds, is dead, you must understand that this finality, this absolute statement of fact cannot be ignored. And yet, many theologians, many pastors, priests, rabbis, ignore the fact that faith without works is dead. And the reason that many Christians, theologians, people who have years of education in philosophy, religion, spirituality, the reason that they overlook these two statements which lay the parameters in which faith must be understood is simply because when we look in the world and we see the works, the activity, the things that people do, we recognize right away that something's missing. We recognize that for the vast majority, the works that people perform are bad. 
they're doing things for all the wrong reasons. Most people do things to be noticed. We like to run races and win because we want to be noticed. We want to feel like we're king of the hill, that we are the best in the world. Doing and winning have become so closely knit together that they almost have created a symbology of understanding that almost can't be broken. Doing your best and winning should be two completely different things. But for most people, they're one and the same. So here in these two statements by James, we can understand that faith alone without evidence which is demonstrated by specific works which are laid out in Hebrews chapter 11 means and constitutes that your faith is in fact dead for faith without works is dead. There can be no other explanation, no other point of view, no other position which we can hold and still adhere to the truth as it is in Jesus the Christ. The question will then remain, what are we to do? How are we to understand this concept of faith and works and righteousness by faith and works? Are they separate or are they joined? Are they theological conundrums or are they simple reality. As we go through life and we begin to accept the information that is given to us first as small children, later as young adults, we get an education, sometimes formal, as in school and college and university, and sometimes informal, like in a church setting or a group setting or from friends, or from mentors, or from 
those who have gone before us and left their words of wisdom for us to read and follow and think about and absorb. It is of the utmost importance that we gain a true education in this life. In this life, we cannot afford to simply accept the beliefs and the statements of well-meaning people who may or may not have received a good education in life. A good education in life comes from a variety of experiences. A good education in life is the ability to decipher between right and wrong. A good education is invaluable to one's ability to succeed and leave a positive mark on the world. Many dictators, despots, crazy people have run the world and controlled the world for a time and molded the world into their own image. The crazy Hitlers, Mussolinis, people who destroyed, murdered other people just merely because they could, just because they believed that their insane view of the world was the only view of the world. We must be very careful when we are searching for the truth to not be sidetracked by pseudo-truth, by words which have been misapplied, misunderstood, misspoken, and have created for themselves these words, have created for themselves a genre, an understanding which is a great departure from the basic, essential statements found within the Word of God, found within the Scriptures themselves. So, understanding that we have these two bookends, faith and the works done by faith, leads us to understand that there is faith that is false, and there are works that are 
not faith-based. And so, in trying to be theologically correct, theologians try and explain these concepts of faith, righteousness by faith, in terms which, for many of us, become so convoluted that it is easy to lose sight of the basic, fundamental position that must be held at all times while discussing the potential nuances of theological understanding and religious preferences. Absolute truth depends on an absolute source. Hence, many theologians take the position that the Word of God, the Scriptures themselves, are written in a type of inspiration which is word-for-word driven. And so, not too much unlike the Vatican and the Roman Catholic Church position on Latin, which states that Latin is the only holy language, and therefore Latin is the only perfect language. Many theologians today ascribe the same connotation to English versions of the Bible, such as the King James Version, and then state that this English version is the only English version which is word for word spoken, inspired by God Himself. These notions of absolute language driven perfection, non error driven translations of scripture are not only erroneous but just downright insane language is a fluid living vessel words and the meanings of words change over time to a greater or lesser degree to suggest that somehow God imposed his absolute dictating of words into a language, a specific one language, which only then becomes the language of God, so to speak, is absurd. And yet... Many theologians hold to this premise and then they lay this idea, this ideology on top of all 
discussion. All theology, all understanding of the words of Scripture themselves. It is imperative that we understand that the thoughts of God, the ideas presented by the writers, the apostles, the prophets within Holy Scripture are not given to us in one specific language, just in Greek or just in Arabic or just in Hebrew, but rather these thoughts are interwoven in such a way as to give us a complete picture of the mind and thoughts of God himself. Understanding this dichotomy which has been created in the theological arena, we must understand that the word faith, specifically the word faith in English, and the word works in English, must be understood in their original context, in their original thought, which is one of not separateness or disunity, but rather faith has a process by which it functions, by which it works. Faith has the ability to produce the type of activity, the type of works that will show us the depth and the meaning of the word faith. Faith and works are so closely knit together that we must be careful not to throw away the works of faith, the works done in faith, the works done by faith, simply because we know that many works and many activities done by people in this world are evil. Many works are not faith-based. Understanding this premise that faith works by love in a very specific way so that we can begin to talk about the works side of faith as being faith-based works. And this is the foundation of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 
draws from what is known as the Old Testament of the Bible as well as the New Testament of the Bible and draws out characters and people and places and things that happened in the past to demonstrate and show us how faith actually works. So we can begin to see that faith has a concrete evidentiary result. Faith is not just whimsical foo-foo. It's not just something we talk about in an ethereal sense of ether flowing through the cosmos which can never be seen or understood in a physical, real, day-to-day, moment-to-moment actuality. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things unseen. I like to say it's the things in the other room. You know they exist because you've been in the other room. And yet, you're not in that room at the moment, but you still know those things exist. Faith gives us the ability to know what is in the other room. Faith is the ability to hold on to the process. The process that obtains for us eternal life. This understanding is fundamental to understanding faith itself. So now, when we look in Hebrews chapter 11, we begin to see that the activity, the works, and the faith of the individuals mentioned always go together, but they're specific enough that we must call these actions faith-saving actions. So they are never disconnected from the actual faith that generated their activities. And starting with verse 2, we see that by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God gave approval to his gifts and by faith he still speaks even though he is dead so from this story which starts at the very beginning of the Old Testament the story of Cain and Abel siblings brothers one listened to the instructions given by God which 
said, in order for you to show forgiveness of sin, in order for you to show your understanding of the plan of salvation, for you to demonstrate your faithfulness, you must bring a lamb to an altar and sacrifice that lamb on the altar. And if your sacrifice is approved by God, fire will come down from heaven and consume your sacrifice. By faith, Abel brought a lamb. Whereas Cain, he also brought the fruits of his labor, works of his labor. But his works had no faith. Why? Because it did not follow the instructions, the law, the requirements given by God. It is very important to understand the foundational concepts which are told in this very unique story, which is reiterated here in Hebrews chapter 11. Theologians love to speak about Hebrews chapter 11. They call it the faith chapter, and yet they disregard the first few verses and the story and what it says to us. Abel was righteous by faith because his actions followed the commands of God. Rule number one, Isaiah 8.20, to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. You cannot have faith. You cannot demonstrate your faith without first following the commands, without first understanding the law and the testimony. You must know and understand the requirements of the law of God, which is, in fact, the character of God. Throughout the entire Bible, the conflict between right and wrong, between correct theology and incorrect theology, is on display. And it is up to us to decipher correctly, to rightly divide the word of truth as it is in Jesus the Christ. Abel versus Cain. Cain was a murderer from the beginning. 
because he had no faith, because he thought any action, any works, any activity would be accepted by God. So he brought vegetables. He was a gardener, a plower of the field. Whereas Abel was a follower of the words and the precepts and the law and the testimony of God. He also was a person who worked. He raised sheep and was a shepherd. But he did not bring a sheep because of his works. He brought a sheep because the law demanded a life, a sheep shed blood for the remissions of sin. Cain knew the rules, but he did what lots of us do. He rationalized. And so his faith was in fact presumption. He said to himself, well, it doesn't matter what works. I actually do. It doesn't matter what I bring to the altar. Just as long as I bring something, God should understand. Because after all, I demonstrate my faith by my works. This type of rationalization is still used today by theologians, by well-meaning pastors, priests, rabbis, imams, people who know better, people who have an understanding of the truth, and yet insist on rationalizing righteousness by faith alone. It is extremely important that we do not make the mistake of rationalizing the truth as it is in Jesus the Christ. Salvation, eternal life, immortality, the glorious future can only be obtained by faith and faith can only be demonstrated and actualized by correct and proper behavior and allegiance to the law and the testimony of God. Make no mistake. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a person reaps, a person sows. And what a person sows, a person will reap. The reaping and the sowing 
are connected. Faith and works are connected. You cannot have one without the other. But if your works do not correspond to the law and to the testimony of God, your works cause your faith to become null and void. The works which correspond to the law are the only works which can by faith be actualized. Many people suggest that if we just do certain things, we will be saved. If we just believe, we will obtain eternal life. But Hebrews chapter 11 teaches us in the very first verses that Cain and Abel, two brothers, were doing, apparently, the same thing, offering sacrifice. And yet, their sacrifices were very different in their formulation and in their basis of faith itself. One person's faith was another person's presumption. One person's act of faith was another person's act of defiance. When we ignore the basic understanding that faith without works is dead, we run the risk of living a life with lots of good works, lots of good activity, and yet we lack saving faith. Saving faith, like the faith which Abel demonstrated, can only come from adherence and to the following of the law of God, to enacting and standing on the premises which are laid down by God. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. You have been listening to The Dark Light. Thank you for joining us. Please like, subscribe, and tell your friends about The Dark Light Podcast. We would love to have you here 
each and every day to discover the light in the darkness. Thank you.